This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Homesdale Radio. Preview podcast. Crowdfunded by Palace fans. For Palace fans. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Homesdale Radio Preview Podcast. I am your host, Terence Ford of redandbluearmy.co.uk, and we are here for the final time this season to preview the visit of already relegated West Brom to Sellers Park. Albert is off working on some top-secret movie project, so Stefan makes his preview podcast debut alongside Sam Heskiff. Wilfred Zaha won Premier League Player of the Month, Palace Player of the Year, and Luca was awarded Goal of the Season at Croydon Box Park last night. We'll reflect on those awards and talk about the best and worst moments of the season. And of course, the unveiling of the beautiful new kits from Puma. Then we'll get into the preview and the team expects a party atmosphere for the final game of the season, where as much as £10 million could be up for grabs for Paddis. Finally, we'll predict what we think will happen next season. Optimism is rife. Before all of that, remember to head over to holradio.net forward slash subscribe to ensure that you never miss another whole radio podcast. So we've arrived already at the last preview pod of the season. I can't believe it's already over. Um, although, Heskiff, some might say that it's been a long and stressful season and they're happy. Yeah, so, seven, seven games in, I was uh, pretty excited for the end of the season. Um, <laughs> but now we're actually playing well and winning. It's, uh, it's a shame that it's all over after Sunday. Mm, certainly right. It's um, just as we've got going, it's ending. Um, and just as... We're finishing. We're getting someone new on the pod. Welcome, Stefan, for first ever appearance on the preview podcast. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah, well, um, you stand a few, a couple of rows in front of me at Sellers for many years. So um, you've just heard me chat nonsense all the time. And now you want to come and do it in midweek as well. So. <laughs> well, you, yeah, you, you've seen the back of my head for enough years. <laughs> um, always when we have someone new, we like to find out a little bit about them. So... Um, we're going to start you off with who's your who's your favourite ever Paddis player? Um, I'm going to go Milo. Uh, I'm definitely a fan that likes that kind of uh, heart on the sleeve type player. I used to like your Dean Austins, for instance, mm. those type of lads. And I think Milo 
was obviously all of those things, but I just can't think of a better leader in in any sport, genuinely. He uh, really carried the team, especially when we had no manager for a while. So, uh, And I miss, uh, whilst I love um, Milohojevic, I, I do sort of miss that dominance in the air that you had, every goal kick, etc. Yeah, um, it's that we're definitely a much shorter team these days, it feels like. Uh, nowhere near as dominant in the air as um, we have been in the past. Well, basically, you know, Mele probably lost one in a hundred headers, <laughs> but um, no, love, love, big, big fan of Mele. Yeah, now, kind of course, you know, everyone talks about Jeff Thomas from that generation and to captain us in a cup final, and I think that's how history is going to end up looking back on uh, Jednak as well. Um, but to give a sort of spectrum of how long you've been sporting Palace, what was what was your first live game you went to? Oh, this is Barnsley at home. I was in primary school, so we're talking about twenty-five years ago so, I mean it's probably more than that but yeah it was a school's ticket type thing for two three pound because my dad was really tight technically he was actually a Charlton fan but not really into football um so yeah Barnes at home one nil had an awful seat right at the back of the Arthur for a small guy at that time and uh, I missed the only goal of the game I went out to get snacks once and there was this girl in front of me going out constantly and uh, she saw the goal and I missed it but it was enough to send me back and next year, I think it's my twentieth year as a season ticket right, so, so, what are we talking there? Barnsley one nil in the Premier League. Uh, I don't know if it was Premier League. It was Bruce Dyer. I'm pretty sure. Oh, right, no. Oh. So it would have been a season four. The season in the Premier League, we lost one nil to a nil Redfern goal. So it must have been ninety six, ninety seven season. He was like the Gareth Barry of that time, wasn't he? Nil, uh, nil Redfern, yeah. but lower down. Yeah, he was more like. Um, I don't know, who's someone who... Herman Horiderson, but a sort of midfielder version, you know, going to all the relegated clubs every year. Like, whoever they signed for, you knew that was it. That was the end for him. Is that Leroy Fur now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Leroy Fur's the one now. And yet still, everyone says they want to sign him every time you've got one Palace fan somewhere saying, let's get him in. Um, well, what's your favourite game? I'm sure it weren't that 1-0 against Barnsley. <laughs> uh, no, I actually think, and I just thought, off the top of my head, so I'm probably forgetting some, but yeah, I really love gave you loads of notice. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the uh, semi final away to Sunderland in the playoffs. I think, in a way, you can enjoy semi finals more than finals, especially, um, well, until the more recent organised nature at Wembley, it's kind of hard to get everyone sitting together that you want to sit together with uh, in the final. So, yeah, that was pretty dramatic on penalties as well. Yeah. And any away end as a guy knocked out of his wheelchair who then just continues to celebrate on the ground, you know, it's a win <laughs> for me. <laughs> Brilliant scenes after that goal. And talking of goals, favourite goal? Uh, I'm going to go a bit old school. I'm going to go Paddy McCarthy against Derby. Not that I was there, it was away. Uh, or even Doogie against Sunderland in, in, in a similar type playoff scenario. Some yeah. good moves there. Yeah, very nice. Right, um... Milivojevic was Milivojevic awarded. It's like a tongue twister. I'll say it ten times fast. Um, he was awarded goal of the season yesterday, Heskey. If we were, we were both at the awards, standing next to each other, being accused of looking like hipsters, apparently, according to Twitter. Which is a disgrace, by the way. <laughs> I mean, you are definitely the most hipster person I know. Um, no comment. <laughs> no comment. Uh, I was a bit shocked. I was, I was not shocked. I was hoping it would be Wilf against Leicester because it's not very often we have seven players involved in a goal with loads of passing, nutmegs and back heels. Um But you're happy with Milivojevic getting it? Yeah, it was a, it was a very good goal. Um, it probably would have been my second choice. Uh, I think I, I might have said it last week. 
uh, on the pod, but it's always a screamer that gets goal of the year. It's never a, it's never like a slick team goal, which is a shame because I think that Will's goal against Leicester was the best goal we scored for sure, for all the reasons you mentioned. Um, but I think when you think back to Luca's goal against Southampton, it was the game after he missed the penalty against Man City. So um, it, it was just as important for him probably as it was for the team. And you can see that in his celebration. So, all things considered, you know, I'm not gonna not gonna moan that he won it because it wasn't a it wasn't a crap goal. Um, I was just a bit surprised that Wilf didn't win it. Yeah, it's interesting because I've been a I've been at games on final games of the season away from home, and they always have a sort of goal of the season video going on, and you you'll you'll know which goal of theirs won goal of the season. And every every other team, it, if it's a goal that's semi decent against their rivals, it's just it's a shoo-in. I remember um, uh, David Dunn for Blackburn won goal of the season for a goal against Burnley one year, and it was a, literally a one-yard tapping at the back post. But because it was a last-minute winner against Burnley, they absolutely <laughs> loved it. So, um, yeah, I was surprised that... I, I wouldn't have been surprised if Brighton popped in there either one. Both, I mean, obviously, Sacco, what was he, slapped it? Sl- slapped it. Slapped it. <laughs> slapped it. Um but I love Zaha's header against Brighton as well. But um, yeah, I think it was probably out of Leicester and um, Milivojevic against Southampton. Um, what was your choice, Stefan? I would have gone Zaha against Leicester. And not because I think Zaha did anything that great in it. He finished off what was, I think, MacArthur really played a key part in that one. I know Loftus-Cheek's getting a bit of praise for it. I do think the long-range ones are pretty uh, spectacular, though, even though the team ones are probably more skillful. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Milivojevic one is there's a lot of skill in that finish to control that shot and just leave the keeper standing as much as, you know, it is McCarthy and um, <laughs> Palace goalkeepers have a poncho for standing still. <laughs> I'm not going to get into that. Uh, loads of, the amount of blame Hennessy was getting for that Shakiri goal was just astounding, really. It's gone in the top corner and still we, still we get stick. It, was, it did amuse me. Um, also at the awards ceremony, obviously Aaron Wan-Bissaka picked up young player of the season. No surprise there. Although a lot of people were suggesting it should have been Sully Kaikai for doing absolutely nothing at Charlton. <laughs> uh, so well done to Aaron Wan-Bissaka. And obviously the main award went to Wilfred Zaha. Stefan, that's three in a row. He's uh, one behind Speroni now. I, I, I'm not sure if I'm the only one here. But I've got a bit of a reputation when it comes to Wilf. I mean, I, I love him. I was a bit doubtful whether he was really going to come good in the Premier League, and I've been proven wrong. However, I think that there's been a bit of a bandwagon this season. I actually think that he was more effective and he was better last season uh, than this season. Uh, He's been good this season. I just thought he was particularly important with even more vital goals last season. The stats sort of back that up, actually, a little bit. So this year he's got... Um, eight goals in 28, which is good on the goal front, only three assists. He's actually got the third most appearances, so people talk about his injuries, but that's not necessarily the case. Uh, Last year, uh, seven from 35, but more from the wing and nine assists, so he had his hand to play in more. And in some of the goals this year, like the Leicester one and the tapping against Brighton, you know, he's got to be there, that's fine, but um, (laughs) a lot of credit went to him rather than some of the others. I honestly don't think you could look past Luka Milivojevic or Tompkins for this one. It's not most talented player of the season. It's um, you know most effective. And I think that applied two seasons ago. The first time you got it as well. I thought his actual kind of output in terms of goals of assists was really low that year. 
So I, I love him, but that's just yeah, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, the assists. I think he's num his assist number lies drastically this year. I think um, there's a couple that he hasn't got assists for, which are just kind of like really the um, the MacArthur goal against Watford doesn't get an assist for that because it took a slight deflection. Uh, probably a little bit less to an extent. Patrick Van Arnholt's goal against Stoke on the weekend is um, doesn't get an assist for that. Uh, he's you obviously don't get assists for winning penalties, and he's he's won a fair few of them this season as well. So I think the goals is the um, it. What well, you're right, it was a poor pass to Patrick Van Arnholt. <laughs> it was, but um, he's the goals is the important thing. I part I think scoring you know eight goals in. 28 games you know one more than last season is seven fewer matches and there's still a game to go um i think that's what's going to really take wilf to the next level so if he um if he can stay fit next season and consistently play and uh sort of push that number up more towards 15 i think i don't think we'll have any trouble keeping hold of him this summer but if he does that next season i think we'll um we struggle to keep hold of him there um i'm i'm with you i think Milivojevic and tompkins could have won it um, as well, I think there was only they said only 250 votes separated Zaha from the winner, so it'll be be interesting to know who that was behind. I don't know if they announced that, but um, Hesky, if your thoughts, my, my thoughts are you said if Wilf doesn't win, you're going to invade the stage naked, so let's just all be glad that Wilf won. Yeah, that is true. I did say that because I was so sure that he was going to win, just mainly because I think over the years of being at those things, I've worked out how Palace fans think. And um, it was just like in 2014, you kind of knew Jed, uh, Sproni was going to win it because it was kind of the emotional vote because uh, we all thought that he might be out of contract and leaving. Um, the year before that was um, well, Jed Mack. You just knew Jed Mack was going to win it kind of thing. <laughs> but um, I, one thing I will say about last night, um, being in Croydon Box Park was pretty cool. Um, yeah. It used to be great when it was on the pitch, and I would love it to go back to being on the pitch. Um, <laughs> then it went into Fairfield Halls, and you know, at least it's in Croydon, bit of a sweat box, but you know, whatever. Um, Adam Pardew taking it to Leicester Square was just that really wound me up, and I think wound a lot of people up. And um, even had Steve Parrish booed off the stage when he um, revealed the new kit, um, <laughs> the the concepts kit of. I know it doesn't look like stripes, but when you stand them together in a in a wall for a free kick, for example, the team make more stripes. So just like, um, oh my. <laughs> so um, on the kits, then, what do we think, Stefan? Big fan, or I mean, it seems ninety nine percent across the board that people are happy. Yeah, my only gripe is something I think others have said, which is a bit too much blue relative to red in the home kit, but. You know, there's only so much they can do, which is something Paris has said before. <laughs> and it is nice. And my, you know, another kind of gripe is that they change it way too much. It's a little bit pushing it, isn't it, on the money front. But uh, that's, that applies across the Premier League. So uh, I like them both generally. And normally they grow on me. So if I like them this much at the beginning, then that's oh. a pretty good sign compared to recent years. What's your favourite one? Um, I think it's still the home one, although I like the history behind the away one. Yeah, that um, video Heskiff was with Vince Allaire, a little, little emotional that was, weren't it? Get a little, get a little something in your eye there. Yeah, it was, it was brilliant. Um, I, I think the club's coming a long way with stuff like that. Um, obviously, when you're not in the Premier League, you're not going to get that sort of um, media output. But 
the videos they put out across the board this year, I think, have been really good. And um, that was a, a perfect way to sort of set up the, the new kit. And I think mean, that away kit's a thing of beauty. I love it. I really love it. I only ever, I'm a, I'm a bit of a mug. So even if I don't like the home kit, I'll buy it, the home shirt. Um, but I agree that I think there's a bit too much blue with the fade, but it's fine. It, it's all right. Um, <laughs> but the away, yeah, I think the away kit. Look, I mean, there was an audible gasp when the when the away kit sort of got revealed at Box Park yesterday. Mm. Um, so I'm sure they're going to make a fair amount of money off people buying that. Yeah, it was a pretty nice round of applause and like cheer when it when it was. You know, uh, they you saw Zaha over Vince Hilaire's shoulder. And then it just slowly pound away, pound away, and you saw the whole kit. It was, um, it was very, very nice. Very well done. Um, if we finish uh, tenth this um, this weekend, uh, pay pay rise for admin. <laughs> give give Sam Jordan, Chris Grierson a pay rise. That's what, what I say. Um, okay, for this season, Heskiff, what was your worst moment? Well, my, I mean, my worst moment was the first game of the season. I think. Um, because I was really dubious about Frank De Boer when we appointed him, and I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. But then, you know, we line up with the three at the back, two of which are Gyro and Fossi Mensa, get bossed about by a team who's come up from the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, all right, they've stayed up, but everyone thought they were going to finish bottom by a mile. And just, just looking really bad, really, really bad, and... Immediately, everyone was like, "Oh, what have we done? This isn't good." Um, so that was, I was, it was just a pre- when the third goal went in, I was sort of like, "Yeah, obviously they scored a third goal," and I think the striker didn't score again for like three months or something <laughs> stupid. So yeah, that I mean, it, it was early on; it was the first game, but it, it was a sign of things to come for the first couple of months of the season, and and it's pretty depressing thinking back about it now. It actually spawned the um, most read thing I've ever written. The match report for that game is like four times higher than the second most read thing I've ever written. Because um, it was just, I was trying to like find some sort of like ray of hope in that result. But uh, <laughs> obviously I failed. What, what about you, Stefan? What's your worst moment of the season? Well, I kept a bit of faith um, in the first seven games. Um, most of it, not all the way. Um, so I think the Man United pain of the late comeback or uh, the Liverpool kind of comeback as well at home because we missed those chances were uh, pretty painful. Um, but just the away situation uh, at Brighton was a pain, and just having and I've got two two Brighton fans that I teach who were smuggle year. So a combination of those things. Um, actually, I've got to say, actually, Frank the Boar interviews that's a pretty painful thing to go through. They were dull. <laughs> That's a very good shout. <laughs> yeah, um, poor old Frank. I I, I'll never know how he got through that interview process, if I'm honest. Um, about as much charisma as... Billion. Billion. <laughs> oh, look, look at him just shaking his head. Um, what about your best moment of the season, Heskiff? Best moment? I was thinking about this today because um, you did prep me with a couple of hours notice. Um, I think it, I mean, there's the obvious, you know, like get, getting the goal against Stoke that mathematically kept us up was great. Um, and I think a close second was when we beat Chelsea because we, obviously it was the first time we'd scored and we got the win, but we played really well, which was, which was 
you know, a good indicator of what might come under Roy. Um, but the, the moment that I think I felt the most happy in the season was when Wilf scored his second against Brighton. Because, um, all right, they scored a second and the second half was a bit dubious from us. But at that moment, I was just like, we, we're so much better than them. Wilf is so much better than any of their player. Uh, it was a great goal, and I just thought th- this is this is the reason why Palace are better than Brighton. And it's very rare, as as you know, as a lot of people know, that I will ever be positive because I'm a miserable sod. <laughs> but that that goal was my best moment because I was like, it's just Wilf again. He's just waiting to, mm. for us to play him, and then he'll make him look silly uh, and prove that he's you know the best player that they'll never ever have. So. Yeah, that, I think Will's goal against Brighton for that pure moment of happiness. Um, that's my vote. But he also, it also kick-started a month for him of, you know, uh, it has ended with him being Premier League player. There are 99 month, reasons to hate Brighton. Brighton. Homophobia doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter. Um, proud and <laughs> I, I enjoyed a lot how Man United fans are really, really upset it wasn't Paul Pogba. Um, <laughs> The, despite the fact that in that time United lost the game and um, Will scored better hair Will scored yeah scored more um, it just makes no sense I don't know what they want uh, Stefan your best moment of the season um, there's a few highlights obviously um, I think that personally I enjoyed going to the Hong Kong pre-season friendly but that's a bit of a away day thing um, so that oh, was you quite... actually went out there I happened to be doing a Traveling Europe, uh, sorry, Asia even, um, when it got announced later on that they'd be out there for, for one of the days I was there. So it, it took a lot of effort to get the tickets and everything, but I told the girlfriend, cancel whatever plans you had at that point. It was, <laughs> she was delighted. Yeah, I mean, it was a joy, but it was also kind of a realization of how far the commercialism of the Premier League's gone. So it was a bit bittersweet. Um, but that was quite nice being that many miles away. But I actually think my biggest joy was seeing Wan Bazaka get a chance and uh, do so well because you know I'm not I'm a fan and, and like yourself we've been around a long time and league status to me isn't necessarily everything so getting back to doing something that quite frankly we've been awful on for the last five or six years um, by giving youth a chance and feeling like we've got a bit of identity back was really good for me and it hopefully we can learn from it looking at the message boards I'm not sure that we are and uh, as a result we we don't dismiss others because you know he hadn't been out alone he uh, wasn't massively spoken about um, the point kind of being is, is is that you need a good balance between youth and, and experience so yeah I think I'll go for that Oh, you old Palace softie, you going, going for, uh, for tugging on the heartstrings there um, I didn't share mine, worst moment Burnley away um, after dominating that game, um, it just it just felt horrible to lose, especially in the fashion that we did lose. And then afterwards, having to wait outside 40 minutes for an Uber in the pouring down of rain, it just pretty much summed up the opening four games of the season. And then moments not long after that we found out the ball had been sacked and it just uh, it, it felt like it was all come tumbling down. Um, best moment... <sighs> MacArthur's goal against Watford was great. Really, really enjoyed that. Um, obviously, Brighton, the 3-2 was excellent just because just the whole way the game flowed, the brilliant first half, back to the wall in the second half and holding out, just you know, Murray missing the sitter at the end was a, a good old laugh. But weirdly, after saying I didn't think it should get goal of the season, um, the, win, the win at Southampton just 
that that was huge, especially contextually now when you look at um, the Southampton struggles and so on. If we would have lost that day after being one nil down, <clears throat> things could have been very very different. But um, yeah, and just the fact that he missed the penalty in the game before and. You know that it was a great finish and just a great end to that game and a brilliant second half performance as well. Um, God, we've we've gone on a bit here, haven't we? Uh, so we'll end it here and then when we come back, we'll get into the preview. There are 99 reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proud and Palace. Right, party atmosphere, Heskiff. Is that is that what it's going to be on Sunday? It's Sunday, isn't it? Don't say Saturday. Yeah, it, def- it, don't, it definitely won't be a party atmosphere on Saturday. Um, yeah, it should it should be a good atmosphere on Sunday. Um, now that West Brom are down, I think we can hopefully, you know, it's it's one of those games where if we score early, everyone will, will be well up for it and the atmosphere will be great, you know, like it was against, you know, Brighton. And I think we really want to push on to get that 10th spot, if possible. And we need... Yeah, we really need to give him a good back in because it is enjoyable watching Palace at the moment and it should be a lot easier to, you know, show your support and that for the team given the way we're playing. It was, you know, atmosphere was pretty good at Stoke uh, last week. So, yeah, I think it'll be a good atmosphere and hopefully if we can, like I say, get a, get a fairly early goal, we'll ramp the volume up even more and just go in and batter them. Yeah, I, I think as... Um... A memory of mine is the 97-98 season when we got relegated with three or four games to spare. I just remember the last game of the season against Sheffield Wednesday when we were already down. Just um, everyone doing congas around the Holmesdale. Uh, big pirate atmosphere. Bought on Clinton Morrison. Got his first ever Palace goal on his debut. It was, um, you know, I've, I feel like with us completely safe and it's just going to be a celebration of kind of what we've achieved in the second half of the season. And then on top of... West Brom are just only going to be there for the party as well, right? What else other reason is not for the game that they're coming down? They're just going to come and try and give their boys a good send-off into the summer. Um, I think it should be a good day. Uh, you looking forward to it, Stefan? Uh, yeah, especially after doing some stalking on the West Brom forums. Because like you say, uh, well, I, I thought maybe there'd be this sort of typical Premier League fan anger that a lot of, well, almost every club seems to have these days, especially considering how well they finished last year. But... They actually seem fairly optimistic, not just because of the run of results, but uh, Jenkins is back at their club and he's come out with some fairly positive statements. He's cut the season tickets even more and they were reasonably priced anyway. Um, and yeah, there's a number of things they've got to look forward to. A few youngsters coming through. They actually seem in, in pretty good spirits, actually. So I think we're a classy bunch of fans who won't rub things in apart from friendly banter and I think it'll be a pleasant sort of atmosphere. So that's nice. Yeah, it's probably um, better that Pardew's not there. I think uh, that takes away some <laughs> some saltiness from the atmosphere, that's for sure. But yeah, hopefully everyone will just get on. I mean, I remember being there on, two, I want to say, 2003 when they won the uh, division below, whatever it was then, Division 1. Um, and we were there and the big, big pitch invasion at the end and everyone swapping scarves and stuff like that. And obviously, I doubt there'd be a pitch invasion. Um, it'll ruin our, um, what's the grass called? The plastic knitted Defla? Defla. No, Defla, Def something. Deflex. De- no, that's, oh, that sounds something from, something from Breaking Bad or something. Uh, <laughs> right, but um, 
But obviously, we're going to have to take the game a bit serious. As we've already mentioned, the difference can be 10 million between fishing, what will be 10 million if we finish 10th versus if we finish 15th. Um, you always want it if you're safe, play a few more youngsters, get them involved. Um, I would like to see James Daly get some minutes, you know, get one Basaka back in. But Stefan, do you think we're just going to have to play the, the normal 11 to try and get the result that keeps us high at the table? I mean, I'm desperate to finish 10th. I think there's just a massive, I don't know, it's just a strange ego boost of the top half. But on the other hand, I don't like this, uh, you know, all season we say stuff like, well, you can't play a youngster in a relegation battle, which I don't necessarily agree with, but there's an excuse there. And then when you don't have a relegation battle towards the end, they say either one of two things, which is, you know, we want to finish as high as possible. And there's some logic in that for even convincing new signings to join. Uh, Or... Uh, they say you can't change a winning side if we're winning. I do think Roy believes in the latter about changing a winning side too much. So I don't expect too many changes, which is a shame because I would have liked to see youngsters play. But I actually think the question will be, do we play the likes of Sproni and Damo as a send-off more than maybe be tempted to play the youngsters from a slightly different angle then? Yeah, no, it's, it's a good point. Um, you know, obviously two huge people. I mean, Sproni won't actually be going anywhere will he um he's i'm sure he'll have a job on the coaching staff for life he'll he'll be involved in some capacity but damo who um probably should have gone to america a couple of years ago and uh instead of having his last season he had where um he gave himself i don't know he just he struggled a bit on the field and then got into it with some fans at games a few times and stuff um so it would be nice for him to just in a nice pleasant atmosphere to get the you know the send-off that he does deserve because he was big for us especially in that promotion season um so it'll be interesting to see if any of that happens but you know 10 million pound pays Ben Teke's wages for two years so um <laughs> I'm sure um what's his name Steve Parrish will be looking at that 10 million with um wide eyes Hesky if you look like you want to say something well 10 million pounds buys you two Jordan matches so let's finish as hard as possible and uh, bring in a couple more of those bad boys. Oh, God. We're still paying him wages as well, I'd imagine. Mm. So, um, but one thing I did notice was uh, Surlot did post on Instagram um, game coming, uh, last game of the season coming up uh, with a picture of him in the kit, which uh, I was wondering if there's a little bit of a clue to, that he might be in the starting eleven on the weekend. Would you object to that, Sam? I wouldn't object to it. It wouldn't be my first choice. I think I'd probably, I'd probably start Benteke actually, because he he was good when he came on against Stoke. Um, I know he missed Mr. Chance, but he was pretty, pretty heavily involved in the build up to both goals. So I'd like to see him start. Um, But then again, we go back to the conversation that we've had before of who, who gets dropped out. Um, and it's a tough one because everyone has been playing pretty well. So yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily start Sherlock myself, but I'd I, yeah, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him get a go up front because um, obviously when he played before, he was a bit more wide. And when he played up front against Chelsea in the second half, he looked pretty good. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be gutted um, if he if he started. Right. So Stefan, you you. Uh... You're quite a technical person in the way you think about football. What What's our formation at the moment? What are we playing? 
Oh, that's a good question, isn't it? Uh, four six zero or four four two roaming guys? Yeah, uh, four six zero is what I'm going with. Yeah. <laughs> way, um, I don't know if it's a long term sustainable thing. I'm not saying it hasn't worked well for us or and that it can't work, but I think it's right to think that whoever we start up front, you know, we might need to to look at a long term whole season sort of plan. So yeah, that's what I'd say. And I listened to an interview from Stephen Reed on a really good podcast um uh, keith andrews show and uh he's very much saying that the concentrations there they've not been having any extra days off after the stoke game than you'd normally think so you know they seem to all be taking it very seriously from what he said so yeah um i think the way going forward what is what i hope materializes from this is i think the 460 is working really well at home um less so away and I think that showed at Watford where we struggled for periods, um, for long periods in that game. And um, also away at Stoke, uh, we really, really struggled. And it was only really when Benteke came on um, that we started to get some presence. And he did brilliantly for the first goal. That header was was excellent. So um, I think having just one style is probably um, too too two championship maybe <laughs> it's probably a bit better to have you know be a bit more adaptable and um it, we've probably got the squad and now we're going to clear out some deadwood some older players get some wage bill back we'll probably have to bring in a couple more players that will help Hodgson be able to look to his bench and look to his squad and change the style a bit in games but um I think this weekend I think we're probably going to see one Bissaka come in because Joel Ward's Joel Ward left in a boot from Stoke, right? So it'd be really hard to imagine that he's going to find a way to be able to start this game. And which is obviously sad because all the news is saying that he's not signing a new contract, that he wants a change of scene. So um, it'll be sad that we won't get to say goodbyes to him actually in the from the crowd, but I'm sure he'll be in and around the pitch, the pitch after. Um, Stefan, it looks like Kabaya will be another one who's going. Would you give him a contract? Definitely have to be on reduced terms. Um, I'm not a massive, you know, I talk about being a geek on football, but I'm not a massive fan of the kind of deep-lying playmaker role, um, personally. Um, But if he does go, you know, we always look to buy another player, but I thought we'd kind of already bought his replacement last year in Gyro. So I'm not necessarily thinking that we should just go out there and buy, buy more and more players. But if we do buy someone, if we bought someone a bit more out-and-out defensive, that might free up Luca to be a bit more free to slightly roam because I think he offers a bit more, or could do. Yeah, I think, um, two, well, two things. I think Kabai, everyone talks about the playmaking side of his game, but just that he's pressing and the amount of interceptions and tackles he gets involved in is in, impressive. So we have to be really careful not to underestimate that side of his game. But in terms of Riedewald, I really think that Hodgson's taken pains to mention him quite a few times in recent weeks to say, you know, even Riedewald with his qualities not getting in. So to me, that spells out that he's lining him up for next season, just being like, you're involved next season, son. Don't don't worry about it now. This is just a means to an end at the moment and we'll get, we'll get you involved next season. So it'll be interesting to see if that comes to fruition. Um, but I think for, he's got to be the most unlikable player in the Palace team because um, he's a massive moaner to the ref, which you know we probably don't mind, but sometimes it's a bit too far. And also, he's 
he is he is a bit of a dirty player. He will snap at people's ankles, Ooh. but anyone touches him and he goes <laughs> mental at them. I'm not even sure I like him from that point of view, and he's he's on our team. Let alone if I was an opposition fan and maybe he got a bit more press coverage because we're a, you know not one of the big clubs. Maybe it doesn't get picked up as much. Yeah, one thing I do like about him though is that he's one of the only one of our players that really goes and gets in the ref's face when opposition players are getting in his face, which is probably more of a an elite level thing, right? You always see the top teams doing it. Chelsea, we we witnessed it at Sellers a couple of seasons ago. Got Damien Delaney sent off by just literally surrounding the referee. Man United players are doing it all the time and stuff. Where Kabai is the only one of our players that does that. And I'll kind of, as much as I don't like it happening, um, if other teams are gaining an advantage from it against us, <laughs> I would also like to see our players doing it just so we can, um, you know, be on a level playing field in that sense. But um, but well, let's we'll finish with the players. There is another good buy happening this weekend, and there's been some um, uh, controversy on Twitter about whether to sing a song for him or not. And that's John Motson will be commentating on his final ever game, some fifty years in in football. Heskiff, um, will you be going in a sheepskin jacket and singing John Motson's name um, come three o'clock on Sunday? It's quite a hipster thing to do, isn't it? Wear a sheepskin jacket. So I guess if, uh, if I'm a hipster, then probably. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, uh, yeah, he's he's obviously fairly legendary in what he does, isn't he? Um, I don't really have an opinion on him. I don't watch tons of football outside of Palace. Um, but it's quite nice that after all of this time in, and however many years he's been doing it, that he's going to finish up in the greatest stadium in world football. So good for him. That's exactly right. The Coliseum. Um, Stefan, you got any Motson memories? Not really, but I just love his enthusiasm. So, you know, I think I'd be against this sort of thing, especially if we had something more to play for. And if he was, you know, kind of a player of Liverpool and it was Gerard's last game, I don't buy into that. But I think he's a good servant overall. And I just like the pundits that really show they love the game or commentators and I think he fits into that I think Jamie Redknapp's one of those keen players I think Sunis and some of the others seem like they're a bit miserable so I, I don't think there's any harm in it but I've not really thought about it too in depth yeah I must say I one of my favorite ever games was the ruining the Gerrard send-off I thought that was just bloody brilliant um right we'll end up there and then when we come back we're gonna be doing some predictions for saturday and for next season homesdale radio preview podcast crowdfunded by palace fans for palace fans And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
Homesdale Radio Preview Podcast. Crowdfunded by Palace fans for Palace fans. Sam, can you remember your prediction from last week? Uh, yeah, I said it was going to be one all. All oh, right. Well, obviously, you didn't say it was going to be a win. I was going to get the points there. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went 3 0 Palace, so it didn't quite finish that. I can't remember what Albert said. I think Albert uh, said 3 1, a comfortable 3 1. Yeah, he did say 3 1, you could say. He was probably the closest. Um, what do you think it's going to be this week? It's really, really hard to call it, right? Um, Jim Foster on Twitter said, I think it's going to be a win, but can't take it for granted. We haven't won three in a row all season, which is a fair point, especially when you're considering most of our Premier League seasons, other than the second Padre one, we've stuck some runs of wins together, like four or five games in a row. So um, how do you think this one's going to go score-wise? Uh, I think we're going to win. <gasps> I think we're going to win because it doesn't matter if we don't really, because we're safe. So <laughs> I, I'm not jinxing it. Like, yeah, all right, we want to finish 10th, but I'm not jinxing it by saying I think we're going to win. I reckon we're going to win 2-1. 2-1. And is Zaha going to get into double figures? Yeah, Zaha's for sure going to score. Both of them? Yes. <laughs> um, on the poll on Twitter, um, Stefan, you need to take the role of um, judging my puns uh, because Albert normally does it. So okay. for, for a Palace win, it was um, punch baggies. Mm. <laughs> Six. Six, okay. Um, for a draw, it was one more point, as in Darren Moore. Uh, I'll take that, topical. Topical. And for a loss, it was get your bleep button ready, Billiam. It's f*** off Dawson. You know what? <laughs> He's been linked with us and the fans <laughs> love him. They want him as captain. I just, I will be very, very upset if he ends up in red and blue next season. That beautiful faded red and blue stripes on him would make me vomit that's the only way I could dislike that kit is if I see him wearing it um unless he does some sort of public apology to um Julian Speroni on an open top bus all the way around Croydon for the best part of um his first week at the club that's the that's the only way I'm accepting him him into the ranks um Stefan what, what do you think it's going to be on I, I just find this impossible to predict don't know what's going to happen. It is because we don't know the the lineups, but I think we'll. I do think we'll finish it off with style. I think we'll get a win. Uh, I think it'll be quite Roy like, which is you know we tend to play well in one half rather than two, so we might have a, an element of that. So I'm going to go for a one nil win to Palace. Whether it'll be enough is is another situation to grab tenth because although Newcastle have got Chelsea, uh, I watched the Newcastle game last night and. They had a lot of fight in them. They were surprisingly unlucky against Tottenham. So, uh, you know, at home for their last game as well, they'll want a good send-off. So it's not a guarantee. Yeah, no, certainly not. I don't... Um, we could have done with Chelsea getting a result against Huddersfield, really, and to keep their fight for a top four place like more realistically alive. So that was a bit a bit disappointing. But um, Conte is probably going to be his last game there, right? Maybe he'll want to try and get something out of them. But... Yeah, we might need to stuff West Brom. So I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I'll take one for the team and say we're going to stuff them 4-0. We'll do what we did to Hull last season, just give them a proper hiding on the last home game of the season. And then that way, that should that should stick us up there. It should be enough to do it. Uh, we'll go Zaha Hattrick as well, just so he can get 11 goals. And um, Can he have another assist, um, Stefan? 
not one that's not one that deflects off someone though. <laughs> a real assist. Well, it doesn't matter. Even if MacArthur puts in the top corner, they'll find a way to give the credit to Will. <laughs> um, right, and I want to do some predictions for next season. Um, so we'll just do a little bit of a laugh. Billiam, you have a think in the background as well. What position you think we'll finish this season? Um, coming season, Stefan. I know it's hard to say with signing, so sort of run over who you'd like to sign in the summer, what sort of player you'd like to sign, and then give us what a position you think we could achieve next season. Uh, Okay, Um, I'm personally not sure about this gamble of a foreign goalkeeper, so I'd quite like us to look at the likes of Foster and Fabianski. I quite like a proven goalie in, in the English leagues, and this guy's, you know, he's only 30, he's had one good season. At the age of 30, I'm a bit dubious, but hopefully I'm wrong on that. I don't think we need anything in defence. Uh, in midfield, I'm not really... I, I'd like us to use our young wingers. So I think really the priority has got to be a different option up front. Um, and maybe more of a Roy option, because even if he, we do keep faith with Benteke, I've, I've read Roy's book... And I'm not sure he's a natural fit for Roy in a way compared to like the Zamora type player he had before. But I don't think we need to do major surgery. I don't. I want to see us get the right balance right with youth and uh, you know kind of experienced players because I really want to see quality rather than quantity and players that are going to actually start in the starting eleven, which effectively makes the squad better if you hold on to the others um, so I hope we've learnt from the Wambazaka kind of scenarios the much as the Lees so I, I, I'm pretty confident I was confident in the last position I kind of agree with Selsby on a, a rival pod about how strong a squad that we have in most areas and I do think that we should be finishing kind of in the region of 8th to 12th uh, give or take a little bit so uh, I'm going to be positive and say 8th despite being wary of the likes of uh, West Brom being there last year and now going down. Uh, Haskiff, is that, that's a bit too optimistic for you, isn't it? Yeah, 17th, mate, 17th. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think, I mean, I think we need, I, I think we need to bring some players in. Midfield is going to be an interesting one because if Kabai goes and obviously Loftus-Cheek goes back to Chelsea, I think we're going to need to fill some gaps there. But we've been linked with defensive midfielders like Amadou and this Dendonka guy and Jan and Villa, I think, recently too. So it does seem as though probably Roy wants a proper defensive midfielder, which is good because I think we can do with one. Um, I'd like a striker that's a bit different to the um, to the players we've got at the moment. Serlock, Benteke, Wickham are all fairly similar. I mean, they're not identical players, but you know, they, they, they play a certain role. So I think if we get a more of a sort of box box type striker, like a Clinton Morrison, I'll always want another Clinton Morrison. Um but just, you know, somebody who can get in there and poke goals in from four or five yards and be a be a bit of a pain in the arse to defenders. Um that would be good. And I'd probably I think, you know, for for a while people have said that they want a proper number ten, but I think that's you know I just don't think you can, you're going to get out of Palace. And we're going to have players who can, who can play that role if needs be. So maybe another winger. Um, I don't know if any of the, the youth team wingers are going to step up. Um, but if we have another winger, then we have Will, Fandros, Bakary, Sacco and, and A another. I think that would be quite good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, it, obviously it does depend on who we bring in and, and what positions we fill, but... Yeah, we should. I mean, we should be aiming. If you think about how we played under Roy, the second half of this season, we should be aiming 
Um, like Stefan said, eight to twelve. Um, the miserable bugger in me thinks we'll have a wobble and struggle for a bit. But if if everything goes well and Roy gets what he wants, then I think yeah, we're, we're more than capable of finishing tenth and maybe ninth or eighth. So okay, I'm. I think it's depend on on who we sign. I think it'll be nice to have, bring a striker in, as you both you guys have said, who's just a little bit different. Someone um, perhaps of a bit more pace as well. Someone a bit more um, dynamic than a uh, <laughs> Surlot and Wickham and Benteke, uh, just to give a bit of variety up there as well. Um, a defensive midfielder would, reasons to hate I think Brighton. we've alluded to again, free up Milivojevic a bit more. Maybe he can become the top um, Kabaya and then someone else can sit in there and do the holding, which, you know, I think Milivojevic has certainly got that in his game. Great range of passing, sees the game well and um, can hit a shot as well, but rarely gets into positions to be able to hit the shots where, uh, you know, Kabaya still no goals this season, right? So... Um, and he's he's stuck quite a few over the bar. So I think if you get Milivojevic into those areas more frequently, he'll probably find the net um, perhaps even more than he has managed this season because, let's face it, we're still going to get the penalties next season. As long as we have Zaha and Townsend in our team, we're going to continue to win penalties. Um, I think next season there's a couple of periods of adjustment happening in the top half of the table. Um, I don't think uh, Burnley are going to be performing as well as they did um, the much uh, maligned expected goal stats tells you that Burnley just quite simply aren't going to be there next season. Um, then looking higher up, Arsenal um, going to have a new manager, a bit of adjustment. Chelsea going to have a new manager, a bit of adjustment. So you know what I'm saying, don't you, Heskiff? Six, mate. I think we're going to finish six next season. You're and mental. I'd, I'd, I just got a feeling. I think we've never, ever in this, well, in the five years we've been in the Premier League, pinned two halves of a season together and there's never been any stability there. Even the one summer when Pardew got the summer after having a season, we were all talking about, mm, should should we give him this money? Should we give him this window? You know, we all thought that it was a bad idea at the time and then, you know, it proved to be that it was a bad idea. So there's not been any stability. With Roy, you feel like you've got the stability. It doesn't look like I'm touching wood right now that he's not go- he's going anywhere. So give him the summer, get in the players that he wants, pin together two halves of a season. Because let's face it, we're, we're finished 10th, 10th and 11th and um, 10th again, 11th again in seasons where we've been, <laughs> let's face it, dog for like most of it. And the same things happen this season where if you can sort of more that points per game average that we've been performing since the seven opening seven games of the season, we're, we're going to just naturally be around that position. And the, the seasons before have told us that as well. We can, we can achieve that. And I think with the squad, the quality of our players, um, <laughs> I pause for Shrewsbury just pinging one top bins on the, in off the underside of the crossbar against Charlton in the playoffs. Um, worth stopping for. <laughs> but yeah, I just think with the, the squad we've got, with the management team we've got and everything I think it's all just coming together for a nice little shocking season for everyone and get us into our first European season so there's some there's some optimism to end the predictions for this year on the pod Heskish just shaking his head just he's out very possible yeah I I think I think it is possible um, 
we'll discuss that through the season. Um, short break, and then we'll be back to say goodbye. Homesdale Radio Preview Podcast, crowdfunded by Palace fans for Palace fans. Oh, it's just admiring the Shrewsbury goals some more. It's an, it's an absolute belter. Um, oh, 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 oh. oh, poor Charlton. Uh, said no one ever. Uh, right, if you're listening to this on Friday, then you still have time to get your ass down to the dripping pan in Lewis to watch the Remph game. And this is the annual game when Palace fans play against Brighton fans uh, to raise money for Robert Eaton, the charity um, that does a lot of work with uh, kids and sport and so on. Uh, really, really good calls. Uh, the game is always fun. I will be playing um, in the second half as goalkeeper for Crystal Palace. Um, well, I, I say the whole second half as much as my broken body allows me to play. But um, as long as I feel like I can, can be competitive and not let the team down, I think. Uh, but um, we've got Doc Browns playing with us, who's a um, friend of the pod, been on a few times. Um, he fancies himself. He's, he's told me in the group chat that he's going to score a hat-trick. So um, we'll, we'll see how that goes for him. Um, but yeah, get down there. 7.45, uh, just I think a fiver to get in. All that money obviously goes to charity. So great calls there. Um, Love Sport, that podcast will be in your inbox at some point today. So Listen to the team there. Again, different to the review and preview shows. So give that a listen. don't know what's happening with the review show this week because obviously the game is on Sunday and it's going to take some organising and we don't organise very well. So it could be on Sunday, it could be on Monday. And then keep your ears peeled for a special podcast that will be happening, hopefully, at the Beer Festival. Um, That's on the 19th. Get your asses down to Sellers Park. I think it's £12 if you buy in advance. And um, you might be able to hear us um, doing a little bit of whole radioing at the beer festival. Um, there's loads of entertainment, loads of beers, loads of fruity ciders. I know Heskiff loves a fruity cider. And, um, yeah, it should be a good day. And you can watch football on the pitch. You can watch the Royal Wedding. You can watch the FA Cup Finals. So um, I'll be there from midday to close. and. If I'm the last one out, I'll switch the lights off, I guess. <laughs> um, thanks to Billiam. Another, uh, well, just all the work you do in the background, mate. Thanks for helping us out this season. Um, don't let anyone poach you. I'll start paying you for next season. I'd, I'd polo mints or something. Does that work? <laughs> He's just waving away there, nodding like the little hipster that he is. Um, Stefan, it was great having you on. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it. Been waiting to come on this one. Uh, there you go. So um, you certainly will be involved more next season, sir. Heskiff, how's it feel? Your first season under your belt. Although like Palace, you've only played half a season. Have. It's been the good half of the season, though, hasn't it? It's been the <laughs> Hodgson half of the season. Exactly. Um, it's been great. It's been great. I hope everyone loves my misery. Um <laughs> and looks forward to hearing more. Also, when you say special podcast at the Beer Festival, you just mean wasted, right? Yeah, well, I just think we'll hold a poll, right, to say, um, do we do it before we start drinking or after? And then we'll um, <laughs> or just do both. Yeah, do, do the extra, do the little extra bit afterwards when we're all dribbling down the microphone. We tried to do, um, this has been spoken about many times, we tried to do a live drunken podcast and the uh cherry trees once and 
apparently I was so liable that um, it was impossible to put anything out. And for us to worry about things that are liable were <laughs> pretty much a stretch. So, um, yeah, so don't let me and booze near each other when I'm talking about Palace. So That's why you got me on the show, wasn't it? I used to be a lawyer. That's your tactic. You used to be a lawyer. So there you go. You can um, You can keep me in check. I won't be the Andy Street of the pod. Uh, <laughs> I don't hate Hennessy enough, so you don't. Uh, you don't hate Hennessy enough, but um, oh, what's what's his word he loves to use? Um, is it didactic? I can't remember. He he, lo- he loves lawyery terms on the Five Year Plan podcast. So um, talks about billing a lot. I know that. <laughs> right. Anyway, we're waffling. Let's end it there. Um, thanks to everyone who's listened through the season. We really, really appreciate it all your help uh, voting in our polls tweeting us in predictions just general all around coming and saying hello to us at player of the year and stuff like that um, really appreciate all your input and um we will be back from next season with much of the same only slicker and better and more more heskiff uh, and and dave's moans obviously <laughs> but um but no one wants that mate you're you, we've lost our listenership by saying that <laughs> well, we'll, we'll when we get Perry on to do his moans live, we'll um, we'll fully lose it all. Then it'll just be it just be your mum listening from France. <laughs> all right. Anyway, until next season, up the palace. It's the ninetieth minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.